0: Welcome to Quilting Business Success, the podcast where we interview quilters just like you who have turned their passion for quilting into a profitable long-arm quilting business. I'm your host, Andrew Weaver, and in each episode we'll bring you stories of quilters who have the same doubts and fears that every quilter has when they think about pursuing their quilting dreams. But these quilters moved forward anyway, despite their fears, and today you'll hear their stories. Okay, so it looks like we uh,
1: started here, and uh, we're going to give it a couple of minutes for uh, the people to to jump on here. Um, But we're here for this week's issue of the podcast. Uh, uh, For those of you who don't know us, I'm Bobby Ware in
2: uh, tech support. My name's Jaden Wiley, and I work in Gamble Sales, helping match people up with the machine that fits their needs. And
1: uh, today we... uh, we have with us right now, Jen Lansing, Lensing. is that how you pronounce it? Okay. And um, we're, we're hoping to have another guest come on and join us. They were having some technical difficulties, so uh, they might uh, join us uh, as we go on. But uh, if not, we will do just great with Jen. So, are um, you
2: ready to get started here? Absolutely. Jen, feel free to go ahead and introduce yourself to the people watching and tell them a little about yourself.
3: Okay, great. I'm Jen and I own Sierra Quilt Company and I've been long arming for about three years. We live in El Dorado County between like Mount Shasta and Lake Tahoe in and California. And so, that's it. I'm married. We have four boys.
2: Very good. Um, so how long have you been long arm quilting?
3: Three years. Three for years. three years is all.
2: And
1: uh, have you had a Gammel those for those three years?
3: I have. I started out with hand guided and then went to Elevate and then very soon realized that I needed the Statler through education. I realized that this can do way more than what the Elevate can do. So I upgraded to the Ascend.
1: So, so how long did you do the the hand guided before you went? I to- did
3: that for less than a year. And then I got the Elevate. I'm pretty much 100% computer dependent. So I'm not a hand guider. Like I can do pantographs, but I'm not a hand, I'm not someone that can go, oh, I'll put a little fill in here. Um, and so I, uh, I did the hand guided for less than a year. Then I did Elevate and I had Elevate for about a year. And then I was just, for one, I needed the speed of Ascend because I was so busy to keep those turnaround times. I was working seven days a week and it was hard. And so I had wanted to wait until we retired to buy the Ascend um, when I have a bigger studio and can get the 14 foot table and the 30 inch head. And I talked to Gamble Sales and they said, why don't you do the Ascend now so you can get that speed and then just buy another one when we move up. So ultimately that's what I decided to do.
1: So, uh, but I wanted to ask one other thing. So you, uh, did you start out with a hand-guided or did you start out with having a statler? Oh, no, I
3: started with hand-guided.
1: Okay. And you went from hand-guided to statler, and then you went from statler to the Ascend.
3: No, I went from okay. hand-guided to Elevate and then oh, elevate okay. to the Stattler Ascend. I would
2: listen. I would know these <laughs> things.
3: That's okay.
2: We're starting off tonight's podcast with Bobby. Deciding Come
3: on, Bobby, get what with words the program. he's
2: going to retain. <laughs> I'm gonna bop him on the head before this is over with. So so Jen, what what made you decide to long arm? What made you decide to get your, your first uh, Well, game? you know,
3: I uh we an accident, our son died in an accident and I had been hadn't sewed I sewed for like 40 years and I just didn't make time for it anymore so I got my sewing machine out and I had a ton of quilts that I was making trying to heal my heart from Ben's death and I thought well I can either long arm them myself or send them out and I'm a doer that's my usual mo so I decided to buy a long arm
1: wow I'm I'm so sorry to hear that I wasn't okay part of your story and so that had a lot to, to do with it. That
3: had a, all so. of it to do with it. He was always telling me, follow your dreams and, you know, life's an adventure, mom, you got to get out there and adventure. So I took a chance.
2: So, you know, your, your machine and the quilting was very therapeutic for you and the recovery process.
3: Yes. Huge. It was, it was everything. And, and I was able to dive into that and it's been great.
1: So so when you went into uh, long arming, was it, uh, was it just start out just for you personally? Personal. Yes.
3: Correct. And then it was really quickly. I realized, you know, I could like make money doing this and I love it. I mean, I love it so much. I put in 16 hour days sometimes cause I just love it. You know, I'm home. I have nothing else to do. And, um, so yeah, I just, I just mm-hmm. love it.
1: And how long how long was it uh, after you started doing it that you started going into doing it
2: business-wise?
3: Within months, within months.
2: Um, whenever you decided that you were going to get a long arm, uh, what made you go with a gamble? How long was your shopping process?
3: Well, I looked around, I looked at other brands and my friend had a gamble. And I went over and I really liked the way her machine was built and all that. And it, as soon as I, as soon as we looked at the gamble seriously, we knew that that was, that that's, it was the best. (laughs) So if you're going to get it, get the best.
1: Sure. So when you, uh, when you started uh, pursuing the business part of it, did you, uh, did you know if there were enough uh, long arm, was enough business in your area or? Tell I didn't me about
3: that I didn't I did no market research there, there's things that I would go back and do differently because I just winged this as I went along um, but I didn't know I just I thought that if you give excellent customer service and you put out a great product that word of mouth will help you build your business organically and it's proven to be pretty true I mean that's a word of mouth is my business that's everything for me That's where I get all my business is word of mouth I mean I hustle for business too but but most of it comes from word of mouth
1: so and so you have you found that it's it's grown uh, a lot since you uh, started oh yeah yeah
3: I do about 25 to 30 quilts a month probably I do over 300 a year
2: wow So, so I guess since you didn't really have any introductory knowledge of the quilting market when you bought it Right. Uh, did you do anything in that first year uh, advertising wise business cards to? get? I did I,
3: anything I can do. I do. I did. Um, I'm looking for my page now. I did, um, Anything that I can do, like I mean, one day the UPS guy came and dropped off a bolt of batting, and I said, and he said it was a third one he had delivered in our neighborhood that day. And I thought, well, if people are buying bolts of batting, they surely have quilts that need long arming. And so, on the neighborhood watch, I went, and pretty much if if it can be done, I've done it. Social media, advertising, I printed really nice business cards. I my business is built on quality, and so every time I can. Put to the public quality. I do so business cards, top of the line. I do everything kind of nice, and I just hand them out. I go to guild meetings. That's not my thing at all. I don't like going to guild meetings, and I don't really have time for it. But I do it, and um, yeah. So that's what I do. That's I mean, I've I've worked for it. I, the dream is free. The hustle is sold separately.
2: That's a good way to put it.
3: Yep,
1: um, I need to write that down. The dream. Yeah, is that's free. a good one. The hustle is sold separately. Well, listen. Um, when you uh when you first got uh your first gamble, um, h- uh, how did you uh, finance that? How did you pay for that when you first? Started? I
3: financed mine through AFP on a five year loan, knowing mm-hmm. that that would be paid off by the time we moved to Mount Shasta. Because my goal is to build this business so that when we live in Mount Shasta and are retired, I can still work and hopefully make our house payment. You know, we're building a house in California, so we're going to have a pretty substantial house payment. And so in retirement, which we hadn't planned on. And so um, my husband's a retired sheriff, Well, will be a retired sheriff. So we have a retirement, but I want to be able to make the house payment. So that is my goal to build the business and then keep working.
2: Well, so you've owned the machine for three years. You're doing Mm -hmm. upwards of 300 quilts a year. Uh, so, you're just kind of milking that five year loan, retaining as much as you can. You haven't paid Yeah, it's
3: service. on a five year write off, and I'll get another machine at five years to have another write off and start over and have two machines. No, Hopefully, my goal is by the time five years hits, I'll need that second machine. So, you know, obviously, if I don't have the clientele to support it, I won't buy it. But I. I think I will. I, you know, most of the clientele I've built has been not in three years. It's really been in the last year and a half because it's really been since I've had robotics. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really put myself out there much when I was hand guiding. I mean, and I told people like, this is not my thing. This is not what I do. So I'll do it for you as a super cheap price, because this isn't like, I didn't really start the business of doing it until I had robotics.
2: So, you know, when your machine was hand guided, it sounds like you were intimidated and that caused some oh, attention sure. to you really putting yourself out there. Because yeah. Yeah. Know.
3: I just didn't feel like that. I knew that if I was going to build a business, I wanted to build it on quality. And I don't feel that my hand guiding is the quality that I want to put out and my business to represent. So I didn't really put it out there.
2: Sure. So, uh do you have another job at this time? I um, do.
3: I do. I work um in the ICU, 10 shifts a month, but I'm on call a lot, so I really only work like maybe four or five. And so I still do that until I'm turning away clients. I'm going to do both and I'm <laughs> not turning away anybody right now.
1: So how many how many hours a week would you say you put into the quilting?
3: Probably at least 30. Yeah at least 30 maybe a little less now with this (sighs) end it's also a busy month
2: because yeah you're putting in you're putting in close to a normal work week. yeah
3: i mean if i
2: your job is just enough to help
3: yeah if i hustle and i need i mean one night i did six quilts i worked for 16 hours straight but i did six in one night (laughs) yep so i can i could do more you know i could be better with my time but you know
2: with enough need...
4: be... yeah. <laughs> yeah with enough
2: well um uh, you you mentioned earlier that you pretty much just do edge-to-edge computerized quilting now is that correct
3: i do edge-to-edge and i do custom i do a little bit of custom so i'll do trim work you know things like that that the computers can basically do and then um i've done like a treble irish chain and a double wedding ring and kind of easy things like that but um if I wanted to branch more into custom work, I would start entering my quilts into like to get awards and recognition. And I'm just not there yet.
1: Well, I've already heard your sales pitch on your your custom work. I don't really like to do it, but I'll do it if you want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I can see which side of that. And
3: if you're looking at it for a business, edge to edge is really where your money's at. Well,
2: it's it's what quantity people People are more comfortable with spending what you charge for an edge to edge quilt right um, than I think most people are with custom quilting and I guess in, in addition to that is there a, a certain percentage of the amount of quilts you do um that are custom you know are, are, are 20% or 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 20 percent or no no
3: not right now there it's like a handful of quilts at this point that I've done one percent one percent right
2: that's good that's good information um do you charge by the hour or i do not i
3: charge by the square inch and um do you want to know what i charge or okay so i charge uh uh, Mm 2.0275 so two and three quarter cents um for most fill i have a budget one for just basic meander it's one meander i use bam from urban elements and it's a 1.0175 I've only had one person ever need it or ask for it, and so I offer that for like more of a budget quilting, and then most of my fill falls into two seventy five. I charge extra like three, three and a half for snowflakes and things that take forever to stitch out. But
1: so, if you an average uh, queen size quilt, uh, what would you ballpark say that
3: an average quilt would be? You know, probably two seventy five to three hundred. Mm-hmm. for the quilting plus batting what that includes the batting because I charge it extra for the batting I, I do 14 I carry quilter's dream because mm-hmm. I think it's the best and I charge uh 14 a yard for that so um that's added in and that usually runs about 30 something on a queen it's cheaper for them to buy the batting through me than it is for them to buy it in a bag retail mm-hmm. and I'm making money too
1: so it's Everybody a win but wins
2: right. you well, got it and, that's uh, business, Bobby. That's correct. <laughs> you know, 275-ish, that's that's a little bit on the higher end of what we've heard some people say their average quilts okay. quilt is, but you're in California. I'm in
3: California, <laughs> and my business is, people don't come to me because I'm the cheapest. Mm-hmm. They come to me because i give a great customer experience the quality of work is phenomenal i work with people i do a lot of extra stuff i give people a little gift when i give them their quilt they get a canvas tote they get you know everything's packaged they have printed labels on my quilts i tie on printed labels that that are printed professionally that have washing instructions and you know they don't come to me because i'm the cheapest
2: no wonder. that's okay 300 quilts a year (laughs)
1: <laughs> like it it feeds into that uh word of mouth thing so.
3: loyalty and word of mouth i need my clients to be loyal um because you know you're you're in a niche market as a long-arm quilter you're you're my people are quilters and there's only so many of them so i need my people to be loyal to me and so i do whatever i can customer acquisition is going to be your hardest thing in this business and but once you have a customer you've got to retain them
1: so um about um how, how many quilts a year are you making would you say about
3: 300 300 over 300 probably
1: okay
2: and you said you said that uh so much of your growth has occurred in the last year and a half yeah um so i'm assuming you've done probably 300 or a little more this year how many did you oh do yeah last year when you were still growing pretty substantially
3: it's i know i really should know these numbers um i was doing last year maybe like 15 a month 20 mm-hmm. some months um, you know, it, it's really grown organically. It started, it didn't, I didn't have some boom event. I didn't have any, it's really just built and snowballed on itself. Like one customer, you know, every time I have a happy customer, they talk to 10 people and they're talking to 10 people in San Francisco, 10 people on the East coast, 10 people in Boston that I would never have access to. And so those are my, that's my best advertisement really, because they're talking to people that have no access to me.
1: And that's, and that's something I was, I was wanted to ask you about also is um, you're not, is, are the majority or is the vast majority of your customers like close around? All over,
3: all All over. And to, for a customer acquisition on that is word of mouth. I do have a listing on Etsy and in two years, I think I have gotten maybe a dozen clients from it. So that's definitely not an avenue, that, but it's there. It's free. It's what, you know, I basically, I list the deposit, a $25 deposit, because you have to list something. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, you know, Etsy takes a percentage of that. And so I list it there because it's not that much. And it might as well. I have a quilt shop also on Etsy, an e-commerce quilt shop. I do that too. And so um, it's, it kind of goes with my shop. So I have it in there. Good.
2: Sure. Now, uh, in addition to your long arm services, you said that you provide batting. I'm assuming now you provide fabric. Uh, in I some do. Cases.
3: I do yeah if they need backing they I almost I have blenders are my jam so I have a ton I have the whole collection of three different blenders so we can always find the color that they want or something and then if I do people's binding I include the fabric in that it doesn't cost me much and it's just nice for them and I've always had people love that that I do that and they just can pick whatever fabric they want and it's costing me less than ten dollars and it's such such a nice thing to do for the client you know.
2: Well, it, it, it kind of streamlines the process from them beginning.
3: Yeah. To
2: end. yeah. Well, well, let's
1: pause just a minute. It looks like okay. um, our, our other guests may have shown up.
4: Hi. Linda,
1: welcome to the party. Welcome, Linda.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Boy, that was something. I don't know what was going on there.
1: <laughs> it's okay. If they, you know, fashionably late is good for, for a lot of things like this. So. <laughs> I'm glad
4: you think that because I felt really bad. I don't (laughs) know what happened, but I always say technology is great right up until it isn't.
2: That is exactly right. Well, we've spent the last 20 minutes with Jen here. Um, We have a few more questions that we intend to ask her. Whenever we're uh, done with these questions with Jen, we will give you a moment to introduce yourself and we will let you Uh, answer all of the questions we have for you tonight and of course jen at that time will be able to collaborate with uh, any question you guys come up with right on tell you linda um
1: while we're while we're uh talking to jen if you hear something that we're talking about and you just you want to jump in there and uh, contribute you know feel free you know there's okay we're we're
2: just all family here so great thank you so we were talking to Jen. Uh, she said that she offered batting, fabrics, all kinds of things. I'm interested to know if you also offer um, uh, binding or piecing services, and what I do you offer for those. If you do, I
3: do. I offer all all the binding. I offer um, machine binding, heirloom prep, which is machine on one side. They sew it on the back. Um, and then I offer heirloom binding, but that's time permissive. And I have that on my website that that's not always available because I just don't always have time to hand bind for, and really I charge so much for it. I don't know that anybody will ever, I had one person get it so far in two and a half years. So.
1: Yeah.
3: But well, a lot of people have me do machine binding. You'd be surprised. And I'm not cheap. I charge 25 cents a linear inch for it.
1: Okay. Okay. I have um, a, Go ahead, Linda.
4: I have a funny story about that. When I first uh, was in business, maybe about two or three years, I had this lady that lived on Central Park West as a client. And she would send me these quilts and I would custom quilt them to death. And um, she called me one time. She said, Linda, I always mess up your beautiful quilting with the binding. Could I pay you to do the binding? And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't want to do binding. So this was a twin size quilt. And now you got to remember, this is like 25 years ago. And I threw out a price of $150 thinking there's no way this woman is going to pay me to sew it down on the front so she could flip it over and hand sew it on the back. And she goes, okay, that'd be great. And I was like, no, no, no,
2: (laughs) You didn't want it for $150. No,
4: I didn't. But I did a lot of binding for her. She was probably the only client. Well, I would do it for that too. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah,
1: that's well, that's so funny. Jen, as we're getting in, we're getting in the the last few questions with you. Considering our, you know, the the target audience for this podcast, you know, people that are either thinking of starting a business or are in maybe some of the early stages, or you know, just need uh, some, you know, somebody some guidance with that. Yeah. What would you say it has been the hardest part of uh, growing your business?
3: For me, it's been the business end. It's been growing pains with trying to keep up with, with, you know, I have machine quilters, business software. I don't use it. I have QuickBooks. I don't use it. My accountant hates me. I show up with everything like it's 1992. Printed receipts, printed invoices, everyone, everyone from yeah, Amazon, or Checker, something. all the major manufacturers. I, I bring printed a stack that's this big of printed receipts. And so I, this is this is my New Year's resolution to get better at business because I'm just really doing a poor job at that.
1: But when the accountant sees you coming, they they lock the door. They
3: do.
1: So did did you say that you uh, have have been involved with the uh, Accelerate program? I am. Camel.
3: Yeah, I really like it. It's good
1: value. Is there some stuff in there that you think might help you to uh, avoid next year going to the accountant with all your documents (laughs) in a
2: Walmart (laughs) bag?
3: Absolutely. It definitely is going to help me be more organized. Yes,
4: well,
2: you're you're on track to uh, to getting good with your New Year's resolution yes. <laughs> upcoming year. Now, uh, one thing this is one of one of the best questions, you know, to, to kind of see into your world. But who was your biggest cheerleader or support system in getting a machine and starting quilting?
3: I had a good friend, my good friend, Denise, my best friend. She um, cheered me on the whole way. And then my husband, my husband and my son, Chris. And yeah, everybody's been, you can do this, Jen. You can do this. I mean, because I did. I started out for personal use. And then, you know, people started to see what I was doing. And they're like, you should do this. And so that kind of is what gave me the confidence to take a leap and start a new adventure.
2: Wow. Well, you have done it. And
3: I'm a worker, so yeah.
1: Yeah, and your your story is is really uh, inspirational. Um, you, Aww, you've got you. a really unique uh story, you know. Um,
3: uh, this um, is a business with the robotics anybody could do. Yeah. But like I said, the dream is free. The hustle is sold separately. You gotta you gotta work for it. You gotta you know business is not gonna just float your way. You gotta you gotta put yourself out there, and and but it. I mean, it's, I love what I do. Love it.
1: So, do you feel like uh, you're more in a, because you've, you've, you've only, you've been doing this for three years. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel like you're um, in a more flexible position for your own life, uh, money wise and schedule wise, uh, because of your quilting? Right
3: now, I put everything back into the business because I'm building it with that goal for retirement to be able to pull a $5,000 house payment out. So, I want to, be able to put everything back in and build that business to be as big and best as it can be. And so flexibility money wise, it hasn't done much for me because I'm not taking a draw, mm-hmm. but, um, time-wise it's really just made me busier because I'm already like doing a job and now I have another job and I have the shop that I send orders out on every day. But in four three years, when we retire, it's going to be invaluable. The flexibility and when Mike's retired for me to have a flexible schedule and it's just, I just, you can't even put a price on that. And and the money, I mean, for me, I've always lived off my husband to be able to make a payment like myself. That's huge. A house payment.
2: Yeah. You, you having the foresight to kind of set yourself up for that success. Yeah. Is- three years from now. And at the time you bought your machine six years from there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though right now you're just as poor and maybe busier than you were.
1: Before.
3: <laughs> Definitely busier.
2: We we know those things don't always come. But either. that was,
3: you know, you, I you, bought you got my a, target a plan. Yeah. I have a plan. I, ha- I have a yeah. vision. So, so
2: in terms of your vision as a whole, what is one thing you wish someone told you before you got started? They did
3: tell me, by the Stattler. <laughs> do not piecemeal your machine like I did. I piecemeal my machine. I went from hand-guided to elevate to Stattler, and it cost me over 60 grand to do it that way, for one. And the other thing is I just lost valuable time when I could have been making money. And, and somebody told you
1: that not... beforehand and you didn't Oh, it? yeah
3: and i thought oh it's good enough which i'm not a good enough person i usually buy top of the line car top of the line everything and i thought well elevate will be good enough for what i want to do and it just there's so much and elevate was good it is good and if you're only going to do edge to edge it is kind of good enough but there's so much i've learned through going to summit retreat and all this classes that the Ele- that the statler can do that i want to be able to do and so that is the one thing that and um yeah, just buy the right machine out of the gate that would be my big tip pro tip
2: well jen thank you so much for answering our questions and, and sharing You're with everyone at this point and uh before we let um move on to the other
1: jen do you have um like uh, a website or any I do.
3: I do. I have a website and I actually have a pretty extensive website that I put
1: put your info here and uh, we'll we'll repeat it at the end also. Oh, nice. It's
3: um, www.sierraquiltco.com, and it's got a whole section that's all things long arm. Everything and I've got, I'm totally transparent. Prices, time, there's Q&A, there's testimonials, there's information about me, there's information about long arm quilting itself, and information about the gamble so yeah it's a good resource and i do pay for that it's a little i think it's like a little under 300 a year but you know it's all building the business you got to pay to Just play
2: it's another way that uh, people can find you so and, yeah. and people to-
3: do find me that way i've gotten more business from my website than i have from my etsy listing and I really don't get a lot off social media and other people do. And I think it's because my posting habits aren't great because I'm busy. So I don't have as much time to post, but, um, I need to get better with that. I should make that a new year's resolution too, because I do need to post better on social media. Cause I think that's a good Avenue for customer acquisition for people. It's just, I'm not that good at social media. So. Sure. you can.
1: Hit me we, uh, before we, uh, move on to Linda, there's, um, We have a question, Uh, Jen, uh, Sandy's asking, Jen, when you have multiple quilts lined up to quilt, do you use an extra set of zipper leaders for quick change to the next quilt?
3: So I, I have them, but I just got them like maybe three months ago and I've always used red snappers. And if you quilt, you'll be familiar with red snappers and red snappers have a, they require a little bit of um, leeway for room to, and then also when you take the leader off, you have the snapper rod in it. And so I, I went to sew tights basically to get avoid, to avoid that bump going under the take-up roller and needing to require more space for the snapper rod. And then, um, the sew tights allow me to be able to take the zippers off and actually fold the quilt up and, and store it away while I'm doing another quilt, because you can't do that when you have red snappers, cause there's a big long rod in the quilt. So, or in the leader. So yeah, that's how I use my zipper leaders, like not much yet, but I have hot plans for them.
2: Well, thank you so much for sharing that and answering that for Sandy. She is a a Uh machine owner.
3: Oh, you'll love it.
2: Recently got her Statler. So she- Get going,
3: girl. This is a great business.
2: Absolutely. So Linda, please feel free to introduce yourself to our audience. Tell them a little about yourself and then we will get on to asking you some questions.
4: Well, I am a lifelong quilter. I made my first quilt at nine. Um, I my mother was a seamstress, a garment maker, but never she was into quilting, but it was during the depression and quilts were for people that couldn't afford to buy blankets. So she wasn't big on the quilts and she had, you know, several from the thirties and you know, from her younger years. But I I the bicycle so making your own butter and candles and um quilting was one of those things and um I got bit by the bug and, um, I made my first quilt, you know, at a very young age and kind of dabbled in it, you know, in my teen years. And then when I got into my twenties and got my own house, um, I wanted a quilt for the bed. So I started and now you have to remember, this is before the internet, before the rotary cutter.
1: (laughs) Some people don't know about those times.
4: (laughs) I know. So, um, And I just fell in love with it, and I was for years hand quilting, and then I realized, you know, as the quilt tops were stacking up and my production was very slow, because I also had a full-time job, I I worked in marketing and advertising, and um, so I started quilting on my domestic machine. Now, my little FAF back then, the opening was probably this big I'm not kidding you and I quilted many queen-size quilts on that little machine um and probably put my chiropractor's first kid through uh, college
2: (laughs) yeah you know because
4: because you're like this the whole time and um in the 90s I you know machine quilting was really changing and and um Machine quilter Carol Breyer Fowler won at Houston, and the the whole industry just went, Whoa. And um, so I started thinking about getting a long arm, and um, I managed to stumble upon a competitor of yours. um, But the two owners of those two companies were good friends. Um, And I bought it from a lady who did decorator type stuff, where you do like hotel type bedding, you know, like match the curtains to the duvet and all that. And um, it had an on-off button. I bought it for $600. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you'd have to like stop really quick. And I mean, there was no stitch regular. That wasn't even invented yet. And, um, you know, I just dabbled in it. I didn't really plan on making a big deal of it. And then I started seeing the ads for Gamble. And I thought, you know, I think I really want that. And um, I was working full time and my husband had an account in Missouri that wasn't too far. Bullmooth too I'll never forget that name. But um, so we flew down to his account. He had a meeting and then we drove to West Plains and I bought it from Ken Gamble. And uh, it was what we lovingly referred to in the early days as a minus. (laughs) And and (laughs) what year was was, this? uh, 98, I want to say. Okay. And, um, no stitch regulator, no, no bells and whistles. I mean, we were, we were thrilled cause it had needle up, needle down, needle positioner. Right. I think they called it back in those cutting
1: days. edge technology then.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was. And, yours um, have
2: a channel lock or no.
4: Yes. It's a one way, just one way. Um, yeah. So that was like game changer. And, um, for me that back then that was around $8,200. I want to say for the whole thing. And they delivered it, dropped it off. Mind you, there's no YouTube videos. There's no classes. There's, there's virtually nothing. And, um, I got this thing, you know, they set it up and left and I'm like, little boy. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, about four years later I bought my Statler. Um, I had started to enter competitions and, um, most of my notoriety came from you know quilting garments and entering in wearable art competitions which there was a lot and then I started winning with quilts and um, I really was not going to quilt for hire that was not my goal I was going to be selfish this was for me and um, so when my friends started seeing my work and I started getting things hanging in shows and I was winning ribbons I started to get inquiries and i'm like oh man do i really want to do this i have a company i run i you know have a very busy life and um so i thought okay i'm just gonna do this until i make the money back that i spent on it (laughs) well you know that that kind of went you never turned back
2: from that point
4: (laughs) no no um but it was a you know just a wonderful journey and, and I've been incredibly blessed to, you know, meet so many wonderful people in the industry and to teach all over the country and um, just share my passion and, and it's so interesting because I was a little concerned that, and my husband brought this up that when you turn something that you love to do into something that you have to do you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a, oh gosh, I got to go quilt this quilt that I don't really like. And I was worried about that, but it didn't happen. Granted, there were some quilts that I was like, oh boy, you know, but um, overall, it's just been a great journey.
2: Sure. So I I want to jump ahead a little bit because you you explained that you had bought your first long arm and then you bought uh, your second long arm which was a gamble in roughly 1998 and then you bought a statler in around 2002 all of this time you were still working full time oh yeah
4: oh yeah I was running my advertising agency and um so I'd get home from work I'd make dinner and then I'd go quilt for a few hours
0: mm-hmm. and
4: that went on for probably a decade and um the crazy thing is is when you when you are a sew quilter you attract a lot of show quilting and those that are in the business know that it's very time consuming and your production is very slow Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can whip three edge to edge outs in a day, no problem, but you know, you might be a whole week on a custom quilt. And if you're only doing it part time, like I was, it could be even longer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was a little tricky dynamic that I wasn't basically expecting. You had
1: three jobs. You had your other job, you had your quilting, and you had taken care of the family, too.
4: <laughs> yes. Well, trust me, there was um, not a lot of sleep in those early years. But um, it was, you know, I was running days with what brought joy to my heart and my life, basically. Because, you know, the wonderful thing about machine quilting, especially for hire, I mean, obviously, there's the joy of just doing it. But for hire, you know, you're working on something that's fun. It's, you know, the customer is bringing you this this thing that they've worked on for however long, months, weeks, whatever it is, and you get to participate in their accomplishment. And that's a really good feeling, you know, I mean... I've had people cry when they come to my studio and get their quilt back. And, you know, they're just so overwhelmed. I've finished quilts that mothers started in the twenties and thirties and, you know, that became a family heirloom. And I never got any of that in advertising, you know, so it's yeah. just a, it's a wonderful industry and, um, you know, I've been incredibly blessed.
1: Well, yeah. And I, and I see Jen uh, nodding your head with, with, a lot of this also uh, some, it, that one thing you were talking about, about basically uh, trauma in your life or, or bad things, you know, uh, that happen in your life uh, can actually turn out to be something for the good because it can um, cause you to get to your priorities. Uh, That's right. Put the, the correct things, the, the important things take priority in your life. And, right. and I see that in both of y'all's stories. Yeah, uh, you've been sharing, and I think that's also something that the people watching this podcast—you uh, know, everybody has uh, different levels of trauma or bad things that happen in their lives—and I think uh, seeing both of y'all's uh, stories uh, can be an inspiration to a lot of people. I, I believe that are watching this right now.
2: Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's pretty common that whenever we face adversity like that, it makes you focus on. The things that make you happy that's right both of you went straight to what made you happy and turned out to just be extremely successful with it so what a blessing that is um
4: yeah and i i didn't really know what to expect because i'd been a in the corporate world and a driver and a business owner and you know people working for me and the whole you know i created this and and that was one of the things that was probably pretty easy for me to get my business quilting business off the ground is because my background in marketing and, you know, I could work or as little as much or as little as I wanted. And about the time that happened, um, I truly think it was a divine intervention because I was working crazy hours at, at my company. I was working crazy hours at the quilting business. And, you know, when you have something like that happen, you really it's a wake up call My and day. to take something that is a hobby that is a creative outlet and to turn it into something that is worthwhile and is, you know, revenue generating. I mean, I can't even tell you what that meant because, you know, there was not, as not the level of stress and stress is a killer of your immune system. So if you have any kind of illness or any kind of weakness in your body, you know, you'll get up every morning, and go, Oh, I don't want to go to work today. You know, I I never felt that and that is truly an amazing thing. And if anybody's you know struggling with that in their current situation wondering whether they should take the leap and jump in and you know actually start a business and and go it alone, um, I would say absolutely do it. Don't even hesitate. I mean, back when I started, there was two machine quilters in my state. Um, so it was a little different than I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah. but there's still opportunities. I mean, we're making, I know quilters that are making tons and tons of quilts every year. So, you know, there's a lot of room.
2: So for you, Linda, um, you bought your first couple machines with the sole intention of using them for yourselves. Did you have any idea that um, there would be enough quilting business to sustain it as a a full-time occupation for yourself?
4: No. And actually, you know, that was the last thing on my mind. I was not going to go into business. The, You know, when I bought the Statler, I felt a little bit guilty, you know, because it was a significant bump in the price from the first mm-hmm. one. But, you know, my husband was very supportive and and he's like, look, I have a lot of expensive hobbies too. So, you know, don't give it a second. You don't have to do this. But, um, you know, I had no no idea where this would go. And to think that this led me to a place of being able to travel the country and teach, to author a book, to design patterns, to design digital patterns, you know, to have the kind of presence. I mean, obviously, I'm just a small fish in a very big pond, um, <laughs> but to make friends with people all over the country, that's what, you know, buying a Gamel and a statler did for me. You know, I mean, obviously, I have a high work ethic. You know, you're not going to just stand around and people are going to knock on your door. There, there's going to be some, you know, effort on your part, big effort on your part to make it happen. But if you have the desire and the will, the sky's a limit.
0: Now,
1: when you first started, now granted, it was a, uh, it was decades uh, ago. Um, uh, how, how did you get the uh, the funds to buy that your first machine, second machine, third machine? Um, kind of, you know, just for the people watching, uh, yeah. did
2: you finance any of them? or did Well,
4: you just... the, the, the blessing of, of being an entrepreneur is that you never know when your next paycheck is going to come from. So it, in my case, in my husband's case, it required us to become very much savers. And so when I got the first machine, you know, that was just an easy little check. I mean, that was less than somebody's, you know, car payment back then. The second machine was a little bit, you know, bigger, um, which was a classic I bought then. And um, then the third machine was a big one that was like the same as my Jeep, (laughs) you know. Um, And we were fortunate enough, knowing, you know, that we're savers and we don't live an extravagant lifestyle, that we were able to pay for it. But I did consider um, financing it. There, There were some really great deals with my bank. Um, but I ended up not doing that. I got applied and then my husband was like, just write the check. Um, <laughs> just do it. But it didn't take me long to put that money back into our account from the business. Um, because I was, I have never priced per square anything. Um, I've always priced by the job and that requires that you understand how long it's going to take you to do something. You know, I can load a queen size quilt in 20 minutes. So that's Mm -hmm. part of my, that's part of my, my billable time and, you know, designing the layout, what you're going to put down on the quilt, what kind of threads you're going to choose, you know, the meeting with the, with the client, that's all time. And you have to know exactly what that is, uh, in order to understand whether or not you're making money. And, you know, back when I started, there was an ad, I used to advertise in Quilters newsletter magazine. In the back a little classified ad and that's where I a lot of my customers and there was a there was a quilter in there i have no idea what who, what her work was like or whatever but she her headline in her ad was we'll quilt any top for sixty dollars and i'd be like yeah, <laughs> you're working for free you know even 25 years ago okay and when i used to teach a business class you know that's the one thing that i would always talk to to students about is you have to know your costs. You have to know your hard costs and your soft costs. Okay, your hard cost is how much time you spent on that day on that quilt. That's you being engaged on the quilt. But there's also your phone, your insurance, and if you have a business, you're crazy not to have business insurance. Um, your website cost, any printed materials, when you go for education and you pay for you know, a hotel and you stay somewhere. Those are all soft. I call those soft costs because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not actively participating in them, but they are the cost to run your business. So you and you have to look at it like any other business. I mean, you would never go into manufacturing a widget if you didn't know exactly what it was going to cost you to manufacture that widget. But sadly, I think there's a certain percentage in the industry that, well, I only need to make $15 an hour. Well, if you figured in all those other costs, you're really not making fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, um, so that's <laughs> just some advice that you know I would have someone who's wanting to start out to really understand the whole picture. So
2: go, well, go. well I, I just wanted to to confirm you ultimately do you meet with the customer when they're bringing you the quilt. And you go over all of these factors, and you create like an individual quote for each quilt that you are. Yes,
4: doing. yes, that's fascinating. That's,
2: I've never heard that approach. Probably yeah. because maybe there's a little more calculations and and experience to maybe even involves. So, in yeah, what that works for you. So you you say you have never charged per square inch, mm-hmm. and you always.
1: Uh, the, and the up
4: reason up I
1: charge for each individual mm-hmm. one.
4: The reason I can do that now, I can give you a range. Like, if you call me on your phone and you said, "Linda, I've got this twelve-block Dresden plate. Uh, what's it going to charge? What's it going to cost me?" And then my first question is, "Well, what do you want on it? You know, do you want an edge edge? Then that's this price. And I know what a typical edge edge of that size is going to cost, regardless of what the pattern is. Sure. Um, well, no, I really want little feathers and all the little blades of the Dresden plate. Okay, that's going to cost this. And the only reason that I know that is because for the first two years that I was quilting, I wore a stopwatch. And I would, when I go to the bathroom, I hit it. When I answer the phone to talk to that customer that calls me 10 times to find out if her quilt's done, I, you know, those are things you can't charge for, but you need to know, in my opinion, what you're actually doing on any given quilt. And you do, you know, a few hundred quilts a year, you come to a real clear understanding. I mean, if you call me and said, I've got a, you know, drunkard's path, and I want you to outline every block, and, you know, it's a king size quilt, I can pretty much tell you, and come really close to what that would cost, because I kept track of that, again. Yeah,
2: you you simply established the data that allows you to do that still to this, do you think, uh, Linda, that you are a
1: mathematical genius?
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, but, you know, in my former industry, because um, I'm
1: getting the feeling that you're like the Isaac Newton of the quilting <laughs> community. Well, I am
4: to. just a little bit type A, just a little bit. A little yeah.
1: bit. I think there's more than a little bit going on. Yeah,
4: now. my uh, my former golf pro, when I was learning how to play golf, and I was really super intense, and uh, he's like, Linda, you're not type A, you're a triple A. And that's not everybody's skill set, but I, but I do think it's interesting. So let me give you an example of why this system works versus the square per inch thing. Okay. Let's say I have two customers that make a Dresden quilt, plate quilt. Okay. And they call me and they say, it's a queen size. And I want you to do this on it. Now, one of those quilts has 12 inch blocks and the other quilt has six inch blocks Now, I'm basing it on the perimeter of the quilt, okay, to get the square, whatever, inch, foot, yard, whatever, however you charge. But there's twice as much work on the one as there is on the other. So if I'm charging per the square pricing, then I'm taking a bath on the one. Right. I
3: have a question real quick for her. For yeah. you, um, so when you, do, are you charging per project on anything, even edge to edge, or is it because you do mostly custom that you're, because I, I would do per project on a custom, but on edge to edge, I do per
4: square inch, so. On edge to edge, I have a size, so it's. Okay. Okay it's queen twin double baby king and, and then whatever easy custom easy custom heavy custom. i mean easy edge to edge you know where it's just what, something simple or more involved because some of some of the edge can take 45 minutes to run right. the, the for court. one
3: row yeah yeah like so snowflakes I, have,
4: I had two categories for that and um and then custom, you know, I had so many blocks was this custom price for a queen. So okay. many, these blocks was this price for a king or a queen or whatever it is. Um, because I found that I was losing money by the square. So I ditched that like sure. early on. And, That's you know, it, it, once you understand your your time factor. Yeah, I don't have the
3: experience that you have.
4: and And the only way you're going to do that is if every, I have a work order every single quilt that I did, I kept track of my time. I wrote it down on the work order, you know, the intake form, which has got all the customer information yeah. on the back. I would have how much time it took me to do the border, how much time it <laughs> took me to do all the blocks. And then that made it super easy for me to come up with a schedule that is, you know, category based, like custom is this heirloom show is this for each size. And then right. I can give you a range, you know, pretty close to that and I I got to a point where I didn't really have to do any math because I knew because I tracked my time time okay thank you for your input that's so interesting I appreciate that yeah I know when I first floated this idea out in the you know when I was teaching that class like at the machine quilting shows people were like
2: "Ah." yeah that was earth shattering
4: yeah. I, I don't know how many adopted. I mean, I still see the square inch, but I'm saying, well, if I made a 12 inch block and you made six inch block, our quilts are the same size, you know, now and know it says that's, a, that's it, it would easy, be the same. That's an easy, right. right. But when you get into semi-custom, that's what made me custom, wonder if
3: you were doing mostly custom on. The, then
4: yeah. I, I did do probably more custom than edge to edge because obviously people would see it's my so work and go, I want that. Right. But it the same the same mix applies no matter whether it's an edge edge or not because some people are even doesn't matter what the edge edge pattern is they're charging the same and you got the one that you could it could run across the quilt in ten minutes and you got the other one that takes forty five minutes well you're right. losing your fanny on the second one that's right
2: yep because your equipment is tied up in that time period well of, and it's which just is, you know three or four times the amount which is drastic. Exactly. Now we've got a question here from someone watching with us as Holly. She asks, what kind of requirements do you have for a quilt back? Um, how much extra per side do you recommend or require? Um, does the backing need to be squared up, etc.?
4: Oh, that's a great question. Well, for me, um, my job is to help educate my customers in a way that makes my job easier, right? So when someone sends me a quilt and I've got, you know, three inches on either side and my, my clamps are going to, I'm running, going to run into it, or, you know, I've got a pin, the, I have a little trick on the other end of the, um, the Velcro strip, I sewed a little, uh, triangle, a little rectangle of fabric, and then I could pin, slide the clip over the other end and then just pin that to the edge of the back, the backing. And then when I would get close to it, the machine wouldn't, you know, hit, hit it. it flip out, you know? Um, but I always try to educate the customers as to what I really need to make their job the best it can be. And in the rare case that that didn't happen, then I would keep scraps of strips of fabric around and I would just chunk them down as I would go, you know, I do. So the backings wider. And then I would charge them for that. And when you give it back to them and there's all this stuff hanging off the edges of their quilt, they're like, what is this? Oh, that's the uh, extra I had to add because your backing wasn't big enough. They will never bring you a backing that's not big enough again.
2: (laughs) That's a great little learning tool, isn't it? Charging them a little more.
4: But I, um, you know, I was very, very fortunate in that when I started, um, I had some of the same clients for, I still have a, a client that I'm quilting for right now that I've had since the very beginning. And, um, when you start them out right as to what you require, um, it's pretty easy to get people to do what you need. Now, now every once in a while you get one that's like, this was all they had in the coat shop. And I I said, you know what, just sew some strips on the edges and sew some strips on the bottom and I'll load close to the top so that I don't run out, you know, getting down to the bottom. And, um, I never really had a problem with it squaring up the backs. Um, most of, the time you can pin it square or you can, you know, magnet square, whichever method you use to, you know, whether you're using leader grips or red snappers or whatever it is you use, um, you know, I get pretty good at not having to square up the quill and trim off fabric and, you know, I think one of the things that's probably more of a challenge than a lot of people want to admit to are some of these wide backs that are wonky, you know, and I don't know, I, I always try to pin salvage to salvage, or you know, snappers salvage to salvage on the leaders rather than the other way around. Which sometimes you're quilting the quilt sideways, and you got to get really creative. I don't think like, that doesn't work with edge edge, but it does work with custom.
1: Well, I will tell you, um, we could go for hours listening to to this stuff, um, but it, unfortunately, our time is limited, and we're getting we're getting closer to the end. But uh, what, let me, what I'm getting out of what you're saying there, uh, Linda, is. You know, when you first started talking about having a stopwatch and everything, I'm saying this woman's crazy. What is she? But, but after listening to you going through it all, because I'm the type that does, probably does not invest on the front end the way I should with that type of thing. But you established ways of doing things, put forth the effort to establish, and now it's just effortless. You can just explain how it works, just like that. And uh, I think that's a good uh, inspiration for a, a lot of the people watching to put in the energy on the front end to, to you know, establish a good way of doing things. So,
2: yeah, that, that's just you guys.
4: I yep. think the most important thing that I would tell people that are new or that are struggling or that are thinking of getting into the business is track your time in the beginning. You know, you're going to probably go by what's happening price-wise in your, in your area, your region of where you live or where you're drawing your quilts from, but keep track of your time because for years I would hear people say, oh man, I lost my butt on this custom quilt and I'd be like, I'm making money. <laughs> because I understood. And, and, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, I've had, I've had, I've had $1,200 quilting bills and, you know, customers that know what they want and they're willing to pay it. Now I know that's going to freak out a bunch of people, <laughs> but um, you gotta, you have to understand what you're worth. And I think that's the biggest struggle in the, that I see in the quilting for hire industry is that a lot of people undervalue their skill set. I mean, you know, I just had a plumber come and look at my A thing in my house and before he walked in the door it was 120 bucks Mm -hmm. so
2: yes well everyone else's time is incredibly valued in these individual trades in the same way that it should be for you all um and knowing your worth and uh I would probably highly recommend most of you to use Linda's method to try and get a uh, and, and more of an in-depth idea as to what other costs and time may be directly associated with the quilts that you do, because you may find that um that you're you're losing money in areas that are are not fair to you. And both of you ladies have just shared such an incredible wealth of information here with us tonight, uh, Jen, Linda. You're both fascinating to listen to. Your experiences are are great you very different. Um yeah. but you both have, have had the same result in, in establishing a successful business and we congratulate you both on that.
4: Well thank you. One last thing I would like to add regarding thank that you. is don't ever let a customer talk you out of what you're worth. And I have a little quick story to tell you. So I had this lady called me, she kept calling me how much for this quilt? And I'd like to bring it by. I've seen all your work. My friends have hired you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, I told her the price. And she goes, Oh, that much. And I said, <laughs> yes, that much. Well, You can <laughs> think about it and let me know. Yes, and um, so, you know, a few more phone calls from her. Well, is there, can you give a senior citizen discount? No, I don't discount my work. I'm sorry, but you're welcome to come by if you'd like to bring it. And about three, four phone calls and she finally agrees to come by. So she brings me this quilt. Now, I'm not making this up. She pulls up in a Mercedes S-Class. <laughs> the ring on her finger is about the size of a dime, the diamond. And she's wearing a St. John's suit. And if those of you know designer fashion, you know that's not an expensive little outfit. And she wants me to give her a $25 discount. And I'm oh. just like, So don't don't fall into that trap.
2: Know your work. You don't need to be taken advantage of. Um, In fact, you know, most of these people are are, uh, hiring you in the same way they would hire Picasso to paint a painting for them because your finished product is an art all the same.
3: That's right. And also, I have a $60,000, mine's sixty because I purchased it wrong and should have bunch of Statler out of the gate, but I have a $60,000 machine to be able to do this work. And so, in a house that is a complete quilt world in here, we live, I mean, our one room's a sewing room, one room's a quilting room, one room's a fabric room, you know, and so... The, there's more to it. And I spend a lot of time on the phone. I spend a lot of time with clients on the phone and you do need to track all that. That's such a good, that that's a really good tip.
4: Well, I, we you, moved into you forget
3: our... about all the soft costs.
4: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we moved it. Just so you feel a little bit better, Jen, we moved into uh, this house. We custom built this house and I have my dream studio and um, it's six. I will feet. too in three years. It's 1600 <laughs> square feet that's amazing
3: mine will be well mine will be 24 by 26 so it's going to be pretty big but not that big and it's heaven
4: <laughs> good for you oh,
2: you've earned it
4: <laughs> yeah and guess what my quilting business paid for it yeah. good for you
1: that is freaking awesome <laughs> well i'll tell you uh uh is time for us to wrap up i think it is okay, okay. well listen uh Ladies, uh, man, uh, man, I could, we could easily go another hour here, but, but we can't. I would love, I would love to, would love to. We, we would love to have y'all back on again. But uh, before we go, um, uh, Jen, uh, website, give us your, your information.
3: It's so, Sierra Quilt C-O. Com. So Com.
1: Awesome. Excellent. And uh, Linda, a lot of people I'm, probably know your name. Uh, let, give us your website. It's,
4: it's thequiltedgoose.com. And nobody ever gets why I named my company The Quilted Goose. What do geese have?
3: Down. Feathers.
1: <laughs> Feathers. Yeah.
3: Oh, how cute. I, w- I was like, down.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Linda, what's
4: your last what name? You Tealful. T H I E L F O L D T
1: pronounce yeah. that again
4: teal like the color this is what i tell my students okay. when i teach teal like the color blue green fault like a baby horse with an f
2: okay teal <laughs> very good you
1: have too many consonants in your last name
4: it's those german i'm married into it i had a really simple name
2: yeah well in with general, a great
4: guy so what am i yeah. gonna do
2: if you end up typing Linda's name into a uh, YouTube or Google, you'll probably find out real quick that she's pretty famous in the quilting world.
4: Just as a plug for Gamble, there's 12, there's 12 videos that I taped out at uh, Ricky Tim's studio for Gamble, uh, probably a decade ago mm-hmm. on thread and tension and loading and quilting ideas. I think there's 12 of them.
2: Yeah, and if you type in, I was in, a little
4: younger uh, then.
2: <laughs> if you type in Linda Teelfolt Gammel or the Quilt Show gamble, you'll be able to find Linda's videos. I've okay,
4: they're
2: great. I, I've been fanboying over you for a while in the quilting industry, <laughs> so it's very nice to to formally meet you tonight. Um, well, my pleasure. Yeah, what a pleasure uh, speaking to both of you. So we hope you both have a great night. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And, uh, Hopefully, all of our uh, audience will will reach out to you guys with anything they. May yeah. Need any revenue. questions? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm FY- all
4: over. I'm all over social media too. So yeah, me first. too. I have, a, yes. I have a business page and uh, personal, and so yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Perfect. Well, yeah. Look these ladies up. Uh, I just want to say, FYI, before we go, um, uh, anyone that feels like you need more uh, education training. Uh, whether it be for business or for the quilting uh, part of it uh, go to gamble.com and there's lots of resources available. oh
3: absolutely there. okay right.
1: are we done thanks,
4: everybody done. thanks guys
1: <laughs> thank you guys. ladies thank you so much All you
4: right.
0: guys are the bomb
1: <laughs>
4: see ya have a merry Bye. christmas
0: Bye. merry christmas. christmas bye-bye bye-bye
4: Bye, Linda.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Quilting Business Success. We hope you've been inspired by these stories of quilters just like you who have turned their dreams into reality. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. One of the best things you can do to support us is to write a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Those reviews help bring us up in the algorithm so that more quilters are exposed to our show. What would you like to change in your life, and what steps can you take today to bring you closer to the life that you want?